This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Christine, one of the hosts around here, and I'm joined by Rich, the founder of Unseminary. How are you, Rich? I'm doing great. I, I love these these intros. You know, it's just it's a chance for us to check in and how are we all doing? <laughs> So, Rich, you have had some marketplace experience. You've also had ministry, lots of ministry experience, obviously. Did you ever think that you would be writing an article about church marketing? Yeah, I think, um, no, that's a good question. I don't think so. Although it's interesting because when I was in the marketplace doing like dot-com stuff and all that so many years ago, it's actually fascinating how similar uh, the kind of work I've ended up doing has been over the years. A lot of it, at the end of the day, I think we've got the greatest message ever and we want to get it out there. We want to get it in front of people and marketing is the same thing, getting your message out in front of as many people as possible and to move them to action. So in some ways, it's there's a bigger connection there than it might seem on the surface. Fun. Well, we're excited to hear about the article. Perfect. So today's article, it's a little bit of controversy. The reason why your church marketing isn't working, coming in hot today. So are you wondering why those Facebook ads you've been running for the last few months are just not translating into people connecting, whether that's online or in person? Maybe you've tried a multiple flyer drops in your in the neighborhood. You know, you've, you've done 10,000 at a time, four times over the last number of of years and just no one has showed up or or maybe you're worried about how to leverage the next big day you know we've got easter coming up and you're trying to think about how do i get people from the mall around the corner well no one's going to the mall these days but how do you get it from the 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 park that's walking on you know sunday afternoon how do we get them to come or maybe you updated your website a couple years ago and you know what it just has not made a difference or maybe you're doing uh you get what i'm saying here you're doing all these things and none of it seems to be translating why does it seem like so much church marketing just seems to not work it just doesn't translate you know i've been fascinated with this question going way back to when i was in school and i remember in my history of Christianity class, which was one of my best classes. I actually loved that class. I remember talking to the professor afterwards. And I said, what was going on during revivals? Was it, and it seemed like binary, which obviously there's two kinds of people in the world, people who like people who divide two peoples in the world and people who don't, but it, it, it really divided into two things. I went one side, I was like, during revival, is it that God loved those people just more than he does in our day today? <laughs> And that seems unsatisfactory because, well, like, I don't know. I just can't deal with a God who like seemed to really like people in a particular region in the New England in, you know, the 1800s. Uh, or was it that those people at that time that were leading, they just had like some sort of special knowledge. Like they were just really good at, at connecting with people. And so then that ended up, uh, you know, being the reason why revival happened. And you know what? That's an unsatisfactory answer because then it just kind of leaves it up to us. And so even from that, those early days, I feel like I've been wrestling with this issue. How do we get the message of Jesus out in front of so many people? And I, I really do think, although it's a bold claim, I really do think I understand why so many efforts in church marketing don't work. And so we're going to try to dig into those here. Today. All right. So what is the dirty little secret of church marketing? So the dirty secret is that none of it works. Literally mm -hmm. none of it. I know that's a bold claim. If you're look, looking to market your church by using outbound communication approaches, this is all the stuff we just talked about ads, Facebook approaches, trying to put banners up, trying to drop flyers. It all goes back to the same instance of why we don't do door-to-door -door evangelism anymore. Now, I did door-to-door -door evangelism 
with my father-in-law, which was amazing. <laughs> it before, is amazing. Before you and I even dated, uh, knocking door to door. We've got two questions for you. Why don't our churches do that anymore? Because it doesn't work. But we've convinced ourselves that continuing to do these outbound marketing things don't work. And this is the reason why. If you look at the fastest growing churches in the country, if you look at those churches that are making a difference, are making inroads into seeing people connect with them both online and in person, those churches have built a system that consistently encourage their people to invite their family and friends to attend the church. It really is that simple. Growing churches have an ever-expanding invite culture. The reason your church marketing isn't working is because it's the wrong target. You're trying to communicate externally, trying to convince people who are just happen to be randomly walking by to be interested. Do you know how much money, effort, and energy you would need to spend in order to find those people who would be on the cusp of wanting to make the decision of coming to a church, we're much better to focus our time, effort, energy, resources on trying to convince our people who are already connected to our church, both online and in person, to invite their friends. And so the reason why church marketing doesn't work is because it's got the wrong target. We shouldn't be focusing on that. What we should be doing is focusing on our people, encouraging them to invite their friends. And so we've got some ideas around that. All right. So you've got four things to help build an active invite culture. The first one is you need a flywheel. Tell us more. So building a robust invite culture at your church isn't just about some magic bullet. And this is a part of the problem with marketing is you hear about this latest thing, whether again, it's all this stuff we listed at the beginning. And it's like, we think it's this silver bullet. If I just do this, people will come. But that there isn't just one simple step that will build a proper growing, thriving invite culture. It includes hundreds of steps in every avenue of communication that we can to get in front of people. It's about consistently showing how it's normal for people to invite their friends to church. We have to get that in people's brains consistently. That is a normal behavior. People like us do things like this. It's a repeated steps in a consistent direction over a long period of time that will see people connected and motivate to invite their friends. It's like a flywheel. You remember that. It's tons of energy on the front end. It takes so much effort to push that flywheel the first time. But over time, if you keep pushing, you go from pushing hard to hardly pushing. Over time, all that cumulative, big word, that's a 25 cent word. Uh, All that cumulative effort uh, makes a difference in your community. All right. Well, secondly, you have big days are still a big deal. Yeah. So we've talked about this before, but I thought it was important to re-emphasize this particularly. I got big words here that I'm having a hard time pronouncing today. Uh, I thought it was important to emphasize this as we're coming up against uh, one of the biggest days. In most churches, Christmas and Easter are two of the biggest days of their year. Two things happen when on these big days, Christmas, Easter, there's usually three or four other or two or three other ones as well. Two things happen. Your people are more likely to invite their friends and their friends are more likely to attend. You need to build a strategy around how to encourage your people to invite their friends on this day. So when their friends attend, your people will have a successful experience of seeing their their people return to actually come to their church. That's why we keep saying that big days are a big deal. Yes, it's important because lots of people will attend or there's a potential for lots of people to attend. But when it comes to your invite culture, it's a big deal because what it does is it moves people to have an experience that's more likely to be successful, which they will repeat at other days during the year. So the question I'm asking you is what are you doing on Easter this year to encourage your people really leading up to Easter 
uh, to have the maximum number of people in your church invite friends and family to be a part of it. Again, that's whether it's in person or online or how could you begin crafting the perfect Mother's Day's experience so that every mom in your church invites every family or vice versa? How do you provide such a great Mother's Day experience that every that every kid, which is everyone in your church, every kid in your church will invite uh, their parents to be a part of it? Hey, do you have a favorite big day from over the years? Great question. Well, friends, I'm letting you know a little bit of a secret here. So I am writing a book on this uh, called Unlocking Your Church's Invite Culture. And in the chapter on big days, we talk about Christmas 2015, which is not that far ago. We, we did a thing at Liquid Church called Cosmic Christmas. And it was literally, it's crazy. Dancing stormtroopers. When you uh, when you arrived in the service in the lobby, there was the uh, the dark side and the light side. On the light side, there was a, um, a manger scene with Chewbacca and R2-D2. You get your picture taken. On the dark side, there was Darth Santa. And all of this <laughs> sounds crazy. I know some of you are listening and it's saying, that's the worst idea ever. But actually in this book, we unpack why, how we ended up there. How do we go from what I think is really clear evidence in in, in the book of Acts uh, about what how we should position ourselves as Christians, as Christ followers, how we end up from that, how we draw a line between that to dancing stormtroopers. So that, <laughs> although I think it's just an extreme example, uh, but uh, that would be an example. But there's been a bunch over the years. You know, I, that was, you know, that's an example of one of those. Fun. All right. Number three, how does a Sunday series build momentum? So have you ever logged into Netflix or maybe Disney Plus is a better example these days and you go to watch something, but you're, you, it's like you get stuck on, well, if I watch this, then I can't watch everything else. Like if I get stuck in this one thing, I'm going to miss other things. I like to call that the Netflix effect. Disney Plus just isn't quite there yet for it to have that kind of name to it, but it still happens when you do this. This happens in our weekend service. People attend and whether it's in person or online, uh, they uh, they may not totally connect with what's going on in this weekend at your church. And so we need to get out in front of the upcoming series and really letting people know what's coming up next. We really literally are pointing to them uh, wh what the series is that's three or four weeks down the road so that they can invite their friends. So that when they change the channel from one series to the next, you use that as an opportunity to invite new friends. Every one of those. If you do 12 series a year, you should be 12 times a year. You should be working to uh, ensure that your people will invite uh, their friends to a new thing. So uh, the, the series are a chance every time we do a new series to invite new people to come to your church, to invite your people, to invite new friends. Uh, it's a critical piece of the puzzle for sure. All right. Number four is a play on words. Just be cause. Yeah. So growing churches of all kinds, uh, you know, we are seeing really a common thing as we look at at their kind of growth of you know growing churches we see time and again that these churches are building systems to get their people out of their seats and into the streets now we think that it's important to serve uh, the marginalized in our communities. We know that that's a God thing, but our community sees it as a good thing. Why does that matter from a church growth point of view or from in, in building an invite culture at your church? And here's the reason why. Um, people want to be a part of a church that's making a difference in their community. Even more so, they want to be seen to be a part of a church that's making a difference in their community. So when you get your people out into the streets to make a difference in one way or another, we want to encourage them to share that with their friends so that they'll invite them to future uh, events. So they'll invite them to future things within your church. When was the last time that your church made a notable positive impact in your church or in your community? How are you partnering with other leaders in your community for the good of your city? 
How are you celebrating the good things your church is doing in a way that makes it easy for people to share it with their friends just because an important piece of the puzzle? Excellent. Well, um, there's lots to chew on there. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, so I talked a little bit about a new book that I'm working on that's in a similar area. I would say it pairs with a book that I wrote a number of years ago called Your Church, uh, or sort of Church Growth Flywheel, uh, Five Practical Systems to Drive Growth of Your Church. That book is really uh, pared down. It's super practical. It's a series of checklists. It's It really dives into um, some of the real practical nitty gritty details of it. But I, the new book is really a bit of a more, it's kind of, a one step higher, really asking the culture question, how do we really embed this invite culture into everything we do? Not just here's a bunch of tactics around that, but what I'd love for you, listen, I'm not trying to sell you a book today. Actually, what I'd love to do is give you a, the first chapter of the previous book for absolutely free. So if you go to the bottom of the show notes or this blog post, click the link there. We'll give you that chapter uh, and we'll send it to your email so that you can check it out. And if you're interested in the whole book, pick it up and then be looking for, I wasn't even planning on talking about the new book, but it's just, I'm in the middle of it right now. So it's on my mind, uh, but I'd love for you to check to check out the, the previous book before the new one comes out. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to the new one. Thank you so much for this article, Rich. And thank you listeners. You can find this and other helpful articles at unseminary.com. 